Luke chapter 14, look at verse 16. Luke 14, verse 16. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden. Now we'll, we'll later look at this word. That word is call, called. He said to them that were called or bidden, Come. For all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have, I pray thee have me excused. And others said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and the master of the house, begin, uh, beginning angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go into the highways and hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Now we know in context, he's talking about those of the, the Jews. They were called to come to salvation, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then with one excuse after another, they would not heed to the, the call. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You know, and that's something else as you're turning there that kind of jumps out at you. There's no new excuse. <laughs> there really isn't. Right? Rather, it is heeding to the gospel call or heeding to the service call or heeding to be more faithful, uh, to be more discipled, to read the word of God more, to pray more, any of the things he calls us to do, there's no new excuse. And so we should, I mean, there's nothing that's, that he doesn't know. Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called, that's the exact same word, kaleo, and we're going to talk about that. Kaleo means to call, to invite, to summon, or to name, and, or to bidden. So we saw the exact same Greek word with the messengers who invited them to come. But it, it says the call. Notice the definite article, the. It's the subject. It's, it's, it's a noun. It's, and it's different in the Greek. It's kletos, not kaleo. Kletos means the called as a subject, as a people. The, the all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For who, who did this calling? For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, 
that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now that's interesting. We see two different types of calls, don't we? We see the first instance in Luke where there was a call, but people did not come. They did not respond to that call. But here in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, we see that it is God who has called those whom he has predestinated, justified, and will glorify. One is not effectual, one is effectual, and that's the subject that we're going to look at today, the effectual call of God. Now, the word call, like I said, in the Greek is kaleo. It's all through here, all throughout the word. It's to invite, to salute, to give a name to. There's a variety of applications. Uh, you have to define it within the context. And like I said, bidden is used for this word 16 times, and, but to call is used 125 times. It's used for summoning. In Luke chapter 14, verse 13, it says, When you prepare a feast, call the poor. Don't call your, your loved ones, your brothers, your sisters, and everything. Call the poor. Call those who can't repay you back. When you give, when, when you prepare this feast, do it in a way where you give. It can't be recompensed back to you. So call them. That's another use of the word call. When it's used for inviting, though, when the word call is used for inviting, we have to distinguish between the call that is heeded to versus the call that is not. Now, the chief aim of the gospel is to call men to salvation. It's to preach. It's for me to, with my words, to invite you to believe, to repent and believe the gospel and be saved today. Call upon the name of the, the, the Lord. My call is to you to call upon him. So that is the call, and that is the aim of the gospel. And that's what in Acts chapter 2, God has commanded all men everywhere to repent. So that is the aim. But we know, obviously, those calls will go unheeded. They'll, they'll be ignored. We see many reactions to the call to believe we see it through Acts. We see it in our world today. I mean, either you have apathy or, you know, they're like, okay. Or they, you have ascension. They have a mental understanding of it and feel that that's good enough. Or sometimes they turn to anger. Um, and so we see the reactions to the, that call to believe the gospel. But sometimes we do see people repent and believe the gospel, the same exact gospel. Now, what made the difference? Was it the preacher? Well, no. Let's just assume he's preaching the truth of the gospel. It's the same preacher that people ignore the call and who actually obey the call. So it's the same preacher. The, the difference isn't the preacher. What about the gospel? Is it a different gospel? Now, assuming they're preaching the truth, the clear gospel invitation... No, it's not. There's not a difference in the gospel. The difference is in the Holy Spirit, who is making that effectual in your heart. The difference is, is when you hear, when the, the Holy Spirit opens up your eyes and opens up your ears to the words 
the, that general call, which we're going to talk about, that call that I give, the difference is, is the Holy Spirit's working a power in you, and we're going to talk about that more, to receive and to hear. So that is the difference. The, it is a divine act of salvation. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14 says, Whereunto he called you by our, or he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He called you by the gospel to the obtaining of the glory of Jesus Christ. So it is a divine act of salvation. The kletos of God, the kaleo of God is calling the called who are the called of God and that is a divine act of salvation. It is the calling with the gospel that they have obtained eternal salvation. So there must be a God call accompanying the gospel. So that gives us to our two different calls, the general and effectual. Maybe many of you have, have heard this before, but you could say a general or a special call. Now the general call is me just saying, today... It is command, God commands you from the word of God to repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe in him. Repent and be saved. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved today. That is a call. That's an invitation. That is a command of God for you to do it. Do it. Okay, so how many are actually going to do it? The ones that are actually going to do it are going to have a special call by God. Not just the generic call that I gave. They're going to have a special call. Men are saved by God's call. Men are saints by God's calling. Men do not become saints by living a, a pious life over a, a space of time. Men are immediately, men and women are immediately saints after God has called. It must be the calling of God. Now we experience us calling upon him but it's actually him calling upon us to call upon him. He did the calling first. So we experience it as our call, but later as we study the word of God and we just see the wonder and the might of his power, that we see that it was him who had by his spirit had made it effectual in our hearts and our minds. And then our eyes were open. We saw our sinful state. We saw our need before him. We saw that we had sinned against him, the punishment of that sin, we perceived, we understood, and it shook you. <laughs> it shook you to your core. And then uh, we see that it is also the Holy Spirit which showed us that through faith in Christ we are forgiven. And how important it is to be forgiven of our sins. A lot of people, you know, if you don't fear God, then you don't fear not being forgiven. A lot of people just don't have any fear of not being forgiven because they don't fear God. They don't sense the reality of God. God calls you and makes that effectual with the Holy Spirit. Then you call upon him. Then you call upon the name of the Lord. So Paul addressed this. Actually, with me, turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1.
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Notice the distinction there. Unless you're called, how do you view the preaching of the gospel? Well, if you're a Greek, you think it's foolishness. It's not sophisticated. It's, there's not enough complexity with such an important, eternal decision. There's not enough there. With the Jews, it's a stumbling block because they had all their trust in the law and that they were God's nation, God's people. They, had, they felt like they had an entitlement to heaven. But to the called, we see the wisdom and the power of God. Only the called can perceive the wisdom and the power of God and the glory of Christ. So it must be God who calls. It must be an action by God to do that. And so not only... Those who have been called perceive the wisdom in God and the power of salvation. So we've defined what the cleo of God is, the who the called is. But let's think about scriptural references to both of these calls, the general, and we'll just go through these quickly. The general call is all throughout the word of God because the general call is a call that can be rejected. Proverbs 124 says, Because I have called and ye refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man regarded, but ye have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. Matthew twenty-two fourteen says, Many are called, but few are chosen. And then we saw in Luke how many were called and invited, and there that we know that that is a metaphor, is a parable. He's talking about the kingdom of God there. Um, many are called, many are invited, but they refuse. The, so we see just over and over, that's just a few places. We see in the Old Testament, many people not believe on the Lord. They had no faith. They were in unbelief. They refused to the call of the prophets. And, and what did they do? They ended up killing the prophets. What did they do to, to God's messengers, God's servants? We see it in the world today. We give this call out. But many... Refuse. So in scriptures, it gives us a place where we can see a general call. It's not effectual. A general call can be refused, and, and it is. A factual call in the scriptures, if you're still in 1 Corinthians, look at chapter 1, verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren... How that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Who's God calling? The chosen. That's what that... Who else is he calling? It's whoever God is determined to call. And so we see that irrefutably, 
God is calling people to salvation. You've got to see this in the Word of God. You, and you can't explain. You can't say it's only service. You can't say it's only the Gentiles. You can't give it this, you know, people who don't believe in the effectual call. They don't, in, in TULIP, the doctrines of grace, it's also irresistible grace. It's, that's the effectual call. It's the call of God uh, to come to Him. And so a lot of people who refute that and believe that it's just wide open and God's just sitting there and waiting for you to come, uh, and it's all on you. Um, you know, God is trying to pull you forward and the devil's trying to pull you, pull you down. But the word of God does not give us that picture of what's happening. The word of God is saying God is calling. And he's calling his chosen. And he's, we're going to look and we're going to see the nature of the effectual call, the necessity for it, and why. He effectually calls us. So in these verses, we see that a calling is more than just a general call to believe upon the gospel, but it is a special call which God gives to us. And he says uh, in verse 26, not mighty, not many noble are called. So the nature, what is the effectual call? Well, it's internal. It's not an audible call. The effectual call is not something that you'll hear. It is an internal call. It's an inward call. It's when the Spirit comes within us. The Holy Spirit compels us to come to Him. And it's not forcing our will, but the Holy Spirit is changing our heart, our mind, our disposition. I mean, it is a regeneration. What happens first? Regeneration. The Holy Spirit comes and what was dead is now alive. It's the resurrection, uh, the inward man. And so you've been made alive. You've been given, the lights are on. You're able to perceive the danger you're in, the sin you've committed against God. You're able to see eternity for what it is. And there you repent, ask God to forgive you. And that is the most dominant thing in your life. I mean, think of situations where uh, you are going through something that commands all your attention and all your focus. Uh, imagine you're in your house and your house is on fire. Where you're, you're not going to spot a place on the floor and want to mop it. You know, you want to get out. It demands your attention is to get out. You're, you're not distracted by the other things around you. Well, that's the same thing that we see here. That inward call, the Holy Spirit comes and he convicts you and he arrests you. <laughs> he more or less arrests you and then you see your sinful state. And so he's not forcing your will to choose him, but he is opening up the reality of how much you need him. And you go willingly to him. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the working, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this special call is something beyond just the preaching. It is made to those who are his sheep, his elect, his predestinated, and it is always effective. God never effectually calls anybody and does not get the results which he had already determined. Effectual calls do not go unanswered. General calls go unanswered all the time. Effectual calls do not. John 10, 27, we see this throughout the word of God. It's not just my philosophy. John 10, 27, you don't have to turn it. He goes, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never 
perish. When our shepherd calls, we know his voice and we come to him 100% of the time. 100% of the time when Jesus calls his sheep, who he died for, they will come. It's not, a, it's not an accident you're saved. It's an appointment. You understand that? It's an appointment that he has determined exactly when he would send the Holy Spirit within your heart, wake you up, see your need, and there you fall. You ask God to forgive you. You believe upon him, and you're, you're one of his. So when he does that, he's the shepherd calling you. And you wake up, and you hear him, and you follow. And another you will not follow. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. It says, For our gospel came not unto you in word only. Our gospel did not just come with the general call, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were for your sake. Uh, John Bunyan illustrated it the effectual call as like a barnyard hen. Maybe you all have heard this illustration. A barnyard hen will have a general cluck that just goes unnoticed, unheeded to, or anything. But the, but the hen also has a special cluck for her children when she sees danger coming. And the children will respond to that cluck to escape danger to find refuge, to, to go to their mother in the time of need. That's the effectual call. That's a special kind of call. You know, the, the general call can go unanswered and ignored, but when God calls, you respond. You flee to him for the danger to come, for the wrath to come. And you, there you find in him. I mean, I, I know many of you, um, you know, I'd love to hear all y'all's testimonies and everything, but... Uh, I know when the Lord saved me, I had to feel that furnace first. It felt like I was running from the flames. You know, it was a panic to, to not go to hell. It was a panic to not perish. It, and the Lord opened up my eyes and said, look, you know, you're a sinner. And you have to pay for it. But as soon as I believed on Jesus, died for my sins, and I'm forgiven, and it's only by faith in him and him alone, then all that panic went away. I mean, it was a miracle. It wasn't a self-engineered panic. I mean, I was only eight years old, you know, and I was the, the reluctant star of Sunday school. I had better been. I was a preacher's kid, you know, and I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And then I, it reminds me of the life of John Gill. You know, John Gill knew the Greek, knew the Hebrew. He had memorized so much stuff. He was a scholar you know, back in those days, you didn't have TV and Internet to, to occupy yourself with. So by the time John Gill was six or seven years old, he was reading the entire Greek New Testament and the Old Testament, the Hebrew. But John Gill wasn't saved until later, until like 15 or 16 years old. So it's not enough to know the Word of God. It's not enough to know truth. Know it. That's definitely helpful. It's more helpful than hurtful to know it. But it doesn't save you. I mean, it must be God's power in it. And so um, he also, I also like what uh, Spurgeon says. I'll bring up this illustration sometimes too. How, you know, when Jesus called forth Lazarus from the dead, when Lazarus was dead and Jesus says, Lazarus come forth, that was a specific call to Lazarus. 
had Jesus not specified Lazarus come forth, then everybody in the graves would have came up. <laughs> but it wasn't a general special call. It wasn't a broad spread, a special call. It was a specific special call. And so, I mean, now think about that. And you don't have, I mean, it, it makes sense logically and scripturally. Who receives the glory for coming to salvation? Is it something you did? Is it something that you, you know, you had your wits about you and you knew better and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go with it. It's not, it's not you. It's God who woke you up, regenerated you, and called you and you responded. You obeyed the gospel. You obeyed the, his command to repent and believe the gospel. And so the, inter, the effectual call is internal, it's special, and it's also a miracle. Peter said that he has called us out of darkness into his light. Jesus says it is a call that makes the dead live. That's a miracle. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. The resurrection is a miracle. And that's what the effectual call is. It's a regeneration. It's, it's life from death. He has made us alive. The call that he gives us is the power of God, the might of the Spirit, and it's God's grace that to see sinners who are helpless in their state and they see the value of trust and faith in Jesus. You know, if you were to, if you were able to resist the effectual call, then you would have more power than God does. Think about the power that accompanies his call for you to salvation. It's a miracle. He's taking dead man's bones. He's taking someone who's dead in sins and trespasses, and he's quickening you. He's making you alive. That's creation. Now think about that. That's creation. And so it's a miracle, and the resurrection means life from death, um, which gets us into our next category, the need for the effectual call. Now, to understand why God has to call us is to understand or at least have a, a working knowledge of what depravity means. Uh, depravity is a word that describes our state and disposition of natural man. Remember in Genesis how God had said, the day that you eat thereof thou shalt surely die. That he was talking about Adam's spiritual death and the death process. Now, did Adam die that day that he ate? No. His death process started, but the spirit did. The spirit died. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 tells us, You hath he quickened who were dead in sins and trespasses. The word of God explains the natural man's condition as dead. They can't hear or see spiritual truth. They're dead. Now, that's depravity, as the Word of God shows us. There's no one righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There's none good, no, not one. That's depravity. Depravity talks about our moral standing before God. 
our internal moral state. Now remember, we were made in the image of God that we have a moral capacity, but it's now corrupt. It's now been ruined by the fall that we willingly sinned and disobeyed, and now it is depraved. Depravity is also total. Now, we say that total depravity is we are bent towards sin. We have a disposition towards sin. You don't have to teach a child to lie. It's built in. It's already you know, built into them because they have a disposition of depravity. They have uh, a total depravity. Now, total depravity is depraved or corrupted in all our faculties of being. It is not a question of degree, but of extent. Think about a corpse. A man who is dead for one hour is just as dead as a man who has been dead for 100 years. So total depravity doesn't mean the degree of how dead you are. If you're dead, you're dead. It doesn't matter if you've been dead five minutes or you've been dead for 500 years. The degree of your death is the same. You're both dead. Now, depravity, total depravity, talks about not the degree of how dead you are. You're dead. But to the extent of how dead you are. So, the person who's been dead for five minutes, uh, how, how far is he dead? Well, the one who has been in dead for 500 years is in a lot worse state of being dead and corrupted and uh, corrosive and all those things. Total depravity says this. It does not say that we are as bad as we can be. Okay? But we have the potential to be as bad as we can be. Had it not been for God's prevenient grace, his grace to restrain us, we would be as bad as we could go. Total depravity says this, you cannot come before God in any kind of righteousness which you've done in the works which you have done. I've said this many times, it's like trying to clean the walls with muddy hands. You, you can do a righteous act, but everything you do in that righteous act is going to be smeared by the fact that you're dead in sins and trespasses. And that you have a depravity. Um, Paul told Timothy this. He, he says, preach with the hope that God will preadventure give them repentance, which is a change of mind. It's that miracle to the acknowledgement of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Paul instructs Timothy, preach the gospel with the hope that God's going to do something. That's plain and simple in the word of God. Preach with the hope that God's going to do something. My invitation, my call is for you to repent, to believe, and for you to choose him, seek him, love him, have faith in him. But my hope is that God will enable you to do that. Otherwise you won't. And here's the thing. Does that mean the general call is not sincere? It is sincere. God is sincere with the general call. 
He calls all men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. The thing is, is because, here's the condemnation. That's what John said. The condemnation is, is that we rather choose darkness than light. We would rather choose to stay in our sins than to go to him to be forgiven of our sins. And what do we read in Romans chapter 8? Um, come back to Romans chapter 8 with me. Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, I want to go there. It's not part of the lesson, but I feel like I do need to go there. Um, somebody help me. I've had it on my mind, but that, that Super Bowl ad with uh, Jesus about, uh, do y'all know, do y'all know the short term? It's like, choose, or what is it? Do, do, do y'all know? Huh? Like, I, I forgot what the, what, what the, the tagline is, but they showed people washing feet. They showed the, all these commercials for the Super Bowl. He gets us. Is that it? He gets us. He gets us. And this is economical broadband spread of, you know, Jesus didn't teach hate. He didn't teach hate. He didn't teach any of those things. And he will bring anybody to him. He's calling everybody to come to him. Halted, maimed, is that what we saw with the supper? Call those who are halted, maimed, those who are broken, those who, all of these things. But here, the ones who God calls, he has a purpose. Not for you to stay in that sinful state, true salvation is that he's conforming you to the image of his son. Because those whom he called, them, that's what we just read in verse 29, he also did predestinate. It is your destiny to be conformed to his son. If you are not convicted of sinning against God, then you are not one of his. You must come and be convicted of sinning against God. So it, you know, and I saw that commercial and so many could be led astray. Look, Jesus doesn't save you and leave you where you're at. He takes you from where you're at and he brings you to himself and you're being conformed. He who has done, began a good work in you shall perform it. Remember in Hebrews we said that he who... Uh, continues the profession of their faith. He who continues perseveres in faith. Um, so we see a lot of confusion out there in the world, don't we? Depravity is too much for any preacher to overcome, but not the Holy Spirit. I like this. The, in the general call, we have the gospel and the preacher. Or you have the gospel, the word of God, and the reader. You know, you don't have to, you can take a track home and read the gospel on the track and the Lord save you. You don't have to have a preacher, uh, although you do need to hear. Rather, rather you're hearing with your, your ears physically or in your heart through seeing it or, or braille or however you're ingesting the word of God. Uh, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That all, doesn't always mean audibly. That just means a perception of the word of God. The general call is the gospel and the preacher. The effectual call, we have the gospel, the preacher, and the Holy Spirit. 
For it to be effectual, the Holy Spirit must be there. Okay. Last, the reason for the effectual call. It is in God's eternal purpose. Um, in verse 28, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Second Timothy says, who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world ever began. It was in God's purpose to call us to salvation. It wasn't because we deserved it. It wasn't because we asked for it. It was in his purpose and in his grace to demonstrate the glory of his grace. And that's all in Ephesians chapter 1, right? He did what he did to the, to the praise of his grace, to the praise of the glory of his grace. All eternity will be worshiping him for what he has done by saving us, by calling us, because we were dead. We could not come to him. He came to us. And when we were not coming to him, we were very happy not coming to him. We were in our own darkness. We loved our sin. We wanted to stay in our sin. And we rejected. Every single person would reject the gospel unless it wasn't for God's power that worked in them to regenerate them, to bring them alive, to see their need for salvation. Every single person would deny, would reject the gospel, and, they, and God would be just in us all paying for our sins in the devil's hell for eternity. But in his grace, in the glory to his grace, aren't you happy? He chose some to have love and pity on. All within the reasons in himself. So that when we are redeemed, we are reconciled to him, you better believe there is nothing that we're going to be able to brag about. There's nothing we're going to be able to pat ourselves on the back about. It is by his grace he saved us. And he gave us the kingdom. He has given us the family that we have. And, and it's beautiful. That is the effectual call. Like I said, salvation is not an accident. It's an appointment. Which God has made to call you by his grace, to the praise of his grace. Salvation is of the Lord. We know that from the beginning. I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and him who I hardeneth I will harden. And so it is not him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but it is God who showeth mercy. Um, Isaac Watts made this, and I want to read this. He says, Why was I made to hear thy voice and enter while there's room? When others make a wicked choice and rather starve than come. T'was the same love that spread the feast that sweetly forced us in. Else we had still refused to taste and perished in our sins. God's call to you as the shepherd, as Jesus is the shepherd, we know his voice and that's because he enables us spiritually to hear his voice and we follow him. That's the effectual call. That's the kletos of God. We are the called. We had to be called because we were dead in sins and trespasses. We weren't going to come to him. So we see, but we're also not surprised that men refuse the call which we give. As earnestly as we plead, as much in tears that we pray, the Lord just save 
those whom we love. We know it is by God's power He must. He must do that, and it's by His will. And let us be peaceful and content in the will of God, knowing that whatever He does, He does well, and He is good. He is so good to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this time that we had for this lesson. Father, thank You for Your sovereign power and Your grace and Your might to save us. Father, thank You for this lesson. May we put it in our hearts. May you sear it in our hearts. May we see the assurance and the hope which we have in Christ Jesus. May we see, Father, that all is to be to your glory of your grace for everything that you have given us, all the blessings of life and eternal life are all by your grace and your goodness and your love to us. Father, thank you, Lord. We do pray for the remainder of the message that you just be in it and may we be faithful to lift up your son where all men may see in jesus name amen